0: Are if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter 1. And we're in the series preparing for Pentecost, which is going to be uh, May 28th, I believe it is. And uh, this is the 50 days after Jesus' resurrection and 10 days after His ascension. And this is when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred. And it was... Uh, not necessarily the beginning of the church, but it was the beginning of the church in power. So, um, but before we go on, I just want to remind you, anyone have to forgive someone last week? <laughs> because God wants us to have a, a pure heart. He's, he's after our heart. Um, another question. Did anyone have to forgive you last week? Mm. Did you do something that caused somebody to have to forgive you? And I'm reminding you this because if we want to see God's kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to have those hearts that God has, the pure hearts before God. And that means we have to come to the place, whether we like it or not, because it's not based on feelings. But we come to the place where we forgive as God has forgiven us. And we looked at that last week. So if you weren't here... Make sure you do it. But it's not just a matter of forgiving as God has forgiven us. But then we read some scriptures where we got to take it a step further and we need to be kind and merciful and compassionate and tenderhearted towards others because that's the way God is towards us. Isn't that awesome? So, I mean, His standard is a little bit higher than what we want, you know. We can be content with just forgiving somebody, but God says that's not enough. Now you have to be kind to them. And you have to be compassionate, and tender-hearted, like He is towards us. Oh, what a good God. Uh, and I gave you two places to start uh, forgiveness. One is your parents. Uh, and then the second one is God. And I'm not going to go into that, but I'll give you a third one this morning. And then uh, we'll see how this goes. But are you able to forgive yourself? You know, it's amazing to me as a pastor, almost 32 years and, and, you know, people who struggle with forgiving themselves. They can believe that God can forgive them, but they can't believe for themselves to forgive themselves. So we have to come to that place where we do that. All right, and then just towards the end, I mentioned about being offended and we have to stop being so easily offended, uh, especially over someone else's opinion. I mean, who cares what they think? I mean, we should be more concerned about what God thinks rather than what man thinks. And so just let it go. And it doesn't matter if their opinion is about something in life or something about you really doesn't matter. Let it go. We all see things from a different set of lenses, and so that means we have a different perspective of how we see things, so it's okay if we have different opinions. Plus, you know, think about a family. There's different levels of maturity within the family, so get over it. You should have learned that in your natural family so that when you come here, you can learn it here too. Just, we have different levels of maturity in here, so don't be offended. Alright? Just don't. It's not worth it. So as we looked at last week, that was a demand that God placed on us to forgive and to have His heart towards forgiveness. And um, Today's going to be a part two, but today's part one of, and next week will be part two. I couldn't get it all in one but it is so exciting but here's the second demand from God that he puts on us as we prepare for Pentecost it's found in acts chapter 1 verse we're going to start in verse 4 and it says acts 1:4 and while staying with them he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from Me. And, and so this is what Jesus is reminding them of. This is what you've heard Me tell you before. For John, Verse 5, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so, this is the demand that God placed on them. This is the command that He places on them placed on them, and I believe He still places on us today. And that is the command that we obey. We obey. Obedience. He says here in verse 4, towards the end of it, He says, but to wait, He said this, um, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So in them obeying, they couldn't leave and they had to wait. Now, just think in your mind, what would have happened if they had left and if they hadn't waited? We wouldn't have Pentecost. And so there was a demand that God was placing on them before they were going to be able to do anything, before they were able to receive the power. He told them, you know what? I don't want you going anywhere and I want you waiting right here. Until. Now if you'll look with me to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Now they were faithful to do this. So we get Acts 2 verse 1. And it says when the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place. So we know that they obeyed. They didn't leave. Amen. Hallelujah. And because of that, verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on, the, on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit is necessary for our faith and for our walk of faith with God. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit. And I, and it's not just the day that we're born again type of Holy Spirit. I mean, that that comes, but then we have to walk with the Holy Spirit. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we'll get to later. Not today, but down the road. And we, we have to understand the importance of what Jesus is saying, because... This day in history changed history for good, for the world. It, it was a marking. And so it's imperative for us that we need to take full advantage of the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives as much as possible. I mean, God did what He did so that we could be saved and so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. So why not get all of the Holy Spirit that we can? But it begins with us being willing to obey. Now, I don't know how it is in your life, but I know it's true in mine. I need as much of the Holy Spirit as I can get. My life is better. My wife's life is better. My children's life is better. When Richard is filled with the Holy Spirit as much as possible. Thank you. We got a witness on that one. And so, I'm gonna segue because I I want to we're gonna go back to Passover because I want to show you something in here. And and again, we're gonna look at this next week as well. Um, but I want to see how they had to obey in order for the blessing to come upon them. Okay. And I. This morning we're going to make a distinction because we have talked about the shed blood of Jesus. We've talked about the seven places that His blood was shed. And how awesome that is. And His blood being shed is the beginning of the new covenant. The better covenant. Okay? So we've looked at the shedding of the blood of Jesus. But today I want to share about the sprinkled blood of Jesus. And how that speaks to us of obedience. And we must realize the benefits of Jesus' shed blood, but we also must apply His blood over our lives by sprinkling it. And we'll figure this all out. So there's more to just the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. One gives us, the New covenant in its totality but the sprinkling gives us what we have need of um, concerning the promises and and we'll get we'll figure this out as we go but it's it's incredible to me how God is the shed blood of Jesus contains all the rights and promises of the New Covenant The sprinkled blood activates the supernatural power of the covenant as we speak it, as we claim it, as we declare it, as we confess it, as our victory. And when we talk about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, we're talking about applying the blood. And as we talk about applying the blood, I want you to think about it in this sense. That's the portion of our obedience. Okay? Okay. So we're going to apply the blood. We're going to be obedient. And we're going to do this as we look back over the first Passover and applying the blood of Jesus over our lives is the same as pleading the blood or speaking the blood of Jesus. Okay, there's fancy words out there, but here's what it is. So now if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 12, please. Exodus chapter 12. We're going back to Passover and the instructions that God gave Moses, and Moses gave to the Israelites. And again, this is what they were to do just before the Exodus, just before their deliverance from Egypt. Okay? Exodus 12 21. Exodus twelve twenty one. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood of the lentil and on the doorpost, two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Okay, so, and... um. I purposely did not get into this earlier when we were talking about the Passover. Now's the time to talk about it because I think it's so crucial to what God is doing in our lives. So the first step was, is they had to gather the lamb. They had to tend the lamb, care for it, and then they had to gather it and then kill it, okay? That's in verse 21. But in verse 22, this is what he says to them. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Okay. I want us to see that as obedience. That is their obedience. It wasn't enough for them to kill the lamb and let the blood flow. Because, and when the blood flowed, they would catch it in a basin. So then he tells them this is their, they have to decide if they're going to obey this or not. But think about it the blood is in the basin. But what good is the blood in the basin if it doesn't get onto the doorpost? And so it's imperative that they were obedient to the Lord in this. Because if they left the blood in the basin, though they killed the lamb and collected the blood, it didn't do them any good because they didn't put it on their doorpost and on the lintel. But when they did, when they obeyed, that's when their protection came. So, there was a two-step process here. There was the shedding of the blood And that shedding of the blood was collected in the basin. But the next step was to take the hyssop and dip it in the basin of blood and then apply it to the doorpost in the top. Okay? If they would have killed the lamb and not put the blood on the doorpost, they wouldn't have obeyed the Lord completely. And how many of us, we hear something from God or we see something in God's Word and we think, okay, well, we're going to do it, but we're just going to do it partially. We're not going to do it completely. Just take forgiveness of what we shared last week. You know, it's like forgiveness is one thing, but then being kind and being compassionate and tenderhearted like God is towards us, that's a whole other thing. But He's calling us to do both of those. Not one or the other, but both of them. But yes, it may begin with forgiveness, but it has to be greater than that too. Because God has done so much greater for us. So the act of taking the hyssop and applying the blood is known as sprinkling. Now, uh, I'm going to read out of Hebrews 11.28 if you want to turn there. We're not going to stay there long, but I, I we're going to read out of it. But I'm going to show you more of this next week. I can't get it all in this week. Uh, I wish I could have, but it's just impossible. So, uh, but I want us to see that them taking the hyssop and dipping it in the basin, and then applying it over on the doorpost and over the top. Okay, that's the sprinkling. Of the blood of Jesus, so we have the shedding of the blood and now the sprinkling of the blood. Hebrews eleven twenty eight says this: By faith he, and he's speaking of Moses here, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Okay. So he uses the word and sprinkled the blood. That means that they applied it. Okay? So, in seeing this, in understanding this, and and seeing what we've just read in Exodus chapter 12, I want us to get in our minds, get in our hearts. There's more to the blood of Jesus than just the shedding of it. Okay? There's the sprinkling of it as well. And we're going to see that just as they had the shed blood. and then applied the blood, it's speaking prophetically for us to know that it is one thing to be forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus and another to operate or experience a greater realm of the power of the covenant of God that he has made with us as we sprinkle or plead or whatever you want to call it, his blood over our lives. As they used hyssop to sprinkle the shed blood from the basin, it is our privilege and our responsibility today to take the shed blood of Jesus and sprinkle it over our lives, over our properties, over our families, over everything pertaining to our lives. We have a privilege, we have a responsibility. I would dare to say an obligation to do that if we want to see the fullness of God in our lives. And so let me just give you a sample of what the sprinkling of Jesus' blood looks like in our lives. We can declare over our lives, okay? And it doesn't have to be limited to us. It can be over somebody else as well. But at least let it start in your life. I mean, why not? Okay? It would sound like this. I am healed. I am saved. I am delivered. I am forgiven. I receive grace, mercy, and help in my time of need. You see, these are all things God has done for us. But now we're getting specific to the need that we have. Okay, if you don't need healing, you don't need to confess it. But if you need healing, you can dip into the basin and apply, sprinkle that blood of healing for our lives. You need protection, then you can apply that protection by speaking the words, which means that we're dipping the hyssop into the basin and applying it to our lives. It sounds like this, devil, you cannot touch my family, my finances, my destiny, for I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them now. It's that simple, but how many times do we just sit there and instead of confessing this and declaring this, we're, we get on the hotline and we're just talking about how difficult life is and all the struggles that we're going through and, and we're waiting for somebody to respond and say, wow, you're really going through hell. Like, what does that do? You're agreeing with what you see, but you're not agreeing with what God has done for us. And we're not sprinkling the blood of Jesus. I don't care how messed up your life has been in the past. It doesn't matter to me. You have a tremendous future ahead of you if you will walk in it. And it's one thing to know that you have the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you can rely on. But there's another element that we can do and that sprinkle his blood into our lives. But it was a choice that they had to make. And I want you to know, when you're starting to declare this and confess this and say this out of your mouth, these are more than just words. This is the sprinkling of the supernatural power and protection contained in the blood of Jesus shed for us and then applied in our lives. When we plead the blood of Jesus Christ We are standing on legal authority that the devil cannot contest. And as long as the shed blood was left in the basin and not applied, the death angel had a right to strike the home. But the blood had to be lifted out of the basin and sprinkled onto the door to fulfill its purpose of protection. And the same is true for our lives as well. Our speaking, our declaring, our pleading the blood of Jesus over our lives is speaking the promises found in God's Word. Our basin, okay, our basin right now is this right here it's the Word of God. This is our basin, this is what we're to dip into. This is what we're to apply for our lives, in our lives, over our lives, because this is all about the shed blood of Jesus Christ and now the sprinkling of his blood in our lives. The sprinkling of his blood is taking his word and applying it to our lives because we have a legal right to do that because he shed his blood and now we're going to dip our hyssop into that and we're going to pull out the promises of God. And some people say, well, that's a name and claim. I don't care what you want to call it, but it's What God has destined for our lives. And if he's destined it for my life, I want it. I need it. You know, when I came to know the Lord, there was one thing that I told the Lord. I said, I don't want just a portion of you. I want all of you that I can get because I know the state that I was in before I met you. And I'm not going to stay there. And so I'll take as much of you as I can get. And I'm still trying to get more of him. I still want his effect more and more in my life. And so it's not just enough to be saved, but now we can sprinkle his blood over our lives. And I'm going to show you in just a minute that his word, his word is the hyssop that we use. The hyssop plant is like a weed. It was full of abundance. It was everywhere. You didn't have to go looking for it. You know, I, I love spring, but the one thing that I hate about spring is all the wheat seem to come first. I mean, it's like, good, great. So, and when you think about it, if hyssop is like our words, our words are plentiful, aren't they? There's no limit to them. And I believe that's why part of the reason God chose that plant. Because we have the ability through our words to change the destiny and the direction of our lives. Now I know I got on you last week, but this is good this week. So y'all need to look a little bit more happier. When we declare God's word over our lives, we are dipping into the basin and sprinkling. His blood and the protection and the provision of it and everything else that goes with it. As we speak His blood by declaring His word, we are under God's supernatural protection that keeps the destroyer at a distance. And that is our hyssop. Just like they took their hyssop and put the blood on it, applied the blood, sprinkled the blood, that's what we're doing with our word. So when the enemy comes in and he says, oh, you're never going to make it, you can say "Say whatever you want. I mean, don't, y'all get offended at the enemy telling you you're not going to make it. You don't have to do it. speak his word. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I may not look like much, but greater is he that is in me. And so I want to encourage you to make this a regular practice. Don't leave your home without pleading the blood of Jesus over your home, over your family, over your business, over your pets, over your belongings, over whatever is yours. And I'm not saying this to do it out of a legalism or even out of fear like Job did. The scripture says that Job made all of these sacrifices, these blood sacrifices, but he did it out of a fearful heart. We're not doing it out of a fearful heart. We're doing it out of a uh, authoritative heart, a, a declaring heart that says, God, this is who You are in my life and I agree with You. We need to do this to get the fullness of the shed blood of Jesus into our lives as we sprinkle it over our lives now. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 22. I want us to see hyssop being symbolic of our mouth and our words. Okay? I hope you get this this morning. And if you don't understand it, then go online and and listen to it as often as you need to. I think this is crucial for our lives. In Luke chapter 22, we're going to find ourselves coming to the last Passover that Jesus was going to share with the disciples before his crucifixion. So we have to understand that he has shared other ones. okay? But this is his last one. And so before this, this last one, he declares that he's not going to eat of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God should come. So in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, we pick up his conversation with the disciples. And it's this, Luke twenty-two, fourteen. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So he's telling him what's in his heart. And then verse 16 he says this. For I tell you. I will not eat of it. He says my desire is to eat of it. But I'm letting you know. I can't eat of it right now. For I tell you. I will not eat it. Until it is fulfilled. In the kingdom of God. And so. He's talking about. He knows what's coming. He's talking about the shedding of his blood, him being crucified on the cross, him dying our death, and being buried. Okay, he knows what's coming. He says, "Look, I'm not going to drink of this until the kingdom of God has come." Okay, he still hasn't hadn't been beaten yet, still hadn't been crucified yet, but he 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 knows what's coming. Verse 17. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God comes. We're going somewhere with this. Be patient. So if he says this, what do you think happens when he's on the cross? He's going to be tempted to drink from it. Okay? You have to know this. So in Matthew 27, it says this. Matthew 27, verse 34. They offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink of it. Okay? He wasn't finished yet. So, he tells the disciples, the apostles, he's not gonna, he wants to drink of this cup, but he can't do it until the kingdom of God has come. So, there's the temptation that is before him while he's on the cross, It's not the end. He still has some time on the cross. But he tastes it and he realizes it's why he can't do it. Okay. Turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John 19, verse 28 says. Before we read it. Jesus is on the cross. He's getting ready to to die. Okay. He turns to John, the disciple, and his mom. And he tells them, Mother, here's your son. Son, here's your mother. In other words, you're taken care of. That has just taken place. So it's almost at the end of His time when He's going to die. And, he, and it says this, John nineteen twenty eight. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst. Verse 29, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch. And held it to his mouth. You can't make this up. You can't plan this any better unless you're God. How were they to sprinkle the blood of Jesus Christ on the doorpost? By hyssop. And what do they do here? They get a hyssop branch. A clunk of. And they put the sponge full of the sour wine now. And they take it up to his lips. Verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's the end. His kingdom has come. And it's come when he took of the wine from the hyssop, it came to his mouth and he drank of it. And then he died. That was what, what the knowing was all about. Knowing that everything was finished now and the kingdom of God would be fulfilled. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. This morning as we receive communion, May it be that we understand even more the difference between the shedding of Jesus' blood and the sprinkling or the applying or the pleading of the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives. It is taking the Word of God and declaring it over our lives. It's taking the promises in the Word of God and declaring them over our lives. And we receive everything that God has for us with the shedding and the sprinkling of his blood. The shedding of the blood, the sprinkling gave them complete protection and it will do the same for us. You've heard me say it in the past and I'm I'm going to say it this morning. There is more to life than just being forgiven and saved, and going to heaven. You can rest there if you want. You can be satisfied, because all of that to me is recognizing the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Through the shed blood, when you come to Him, and and you become born again, you become saved, you're forgiven, you're on your way to heaven. And sadly, that's where most people stay. That's the shedding of the blood, but there's the sprinkling of the blood. And that, de- that depends on our obedience. It depends on our willingness to obey. But it's when we begin to sprinkle the blood of Jesus Christ, sprinkle the shed blood of Jesus Christ over our lives, that victory comes with the authority and the right that God has given us to apply and sprinkle His blood by His words out of our mouths over our lives. So I want to encourage you, begin to do that. Find the Scriptures that you need to hold on to and declare them over your lives, over your family's life, over your business, over your belongings, over whatever pertains to you. Speak it. Apply it. Sprinkle it. If we will do that, when we speak words of life, we actually cause the power and the blessing of the kingdom of God to be manifest in our lives and in the earth. And as I'm working through this, I'm drawn back to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 that says this, and this should give us new meaning to this proverb, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. The power of the tongue. The power of our words. You know, look. If you're miserable all your life, you can declare that. You can speak that. But God didn't save you to keep you in that condition. He saved you to bring us up out. We're going to get into this more next week. But it's like, he saved us from more than just going to heaven. He saved us that we might have life and have it abundant now. And we looked at this scripture in Revelation. I'm going to give it to you in just a second. We looked at this when we were talking about the Passover and, and all of that. Okay. Hear me. This brings new light to this scripture. You ready? We're going to close with this. And then we're going to receive communion. Revelation chapter 12. We hit this pretty hard. Revelation 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Okay, now look, within this verse, he's talking about everything we just talked about. Salvation experience. But then he starts talking about the applying of the sprinkled blood, the authority that we have, the rights that we have, the power that we have when we sprinkle the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives, and we don't just rest on the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our lives. But we're willing to walk in all of that. He says, the power and the kingdom of our God. What did Jesus say? I'm not going to drink of this cup until the kingdom of God comes. Well, now it's come. And we have the right and we have the authority to say it and to sprinkle it. And then here it is, verse 11. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb. The shed blood. By the word of their testimony. The sprinkling. Of the blood. For they loved not their lives. Even unto death. God set in motion. Way back. Way back before he even created us. When it says that the lamb was slain. Before the foundations of the world. God knew all this. God had a plan. And. We as believers just settle for the shed blood. And I'm grateful for the shed blood. But. And let's sprinkle some blood. Let's put it over our lives. Let's say it over our lives. Let's believe it over our lives. You know, you've believed all these lies all of these years. Why not get God's Word and begin to post it over your house and and on your mirrors and everything else and start reading it. Start declaring it over your life. You'll see that your attitude will change. Your thoughts will change. Your perspective will change. Because we're sprinkling the blood of Jesus Christ. Over our lives. Oh. You, you know, lately I've just come to really despise seven weeks makes up or seven days makes up a week. Because I gotta wait seven days to talk to you guys again. Because what God has done with this is amazing. And then after next week I'll be bummed because I got another seven days I gotta wait, you know? Because it just keeps getting better and better. I believe that God is awakening us in an incredible manner. And there's gonna be great things that He does. As we get ready to receive communion, I'm just going to read out of Luke 22 again. Verse 14. Uh, we, we've read this. I understand it. But we're going to read a little bit more because we didn't read it all in Luke 22. And when the hour had come, he reclined at table. And He had given thanks. And He broke it and gave it to them saying, This is My body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And likewise the cup after He had eaten saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in My blood. But behold the hand... Oh, we won't go into that. And so I I want us to see that He's given us the bread in the cupboard.